Father in heaven, thank you for these moments. We are going to be dealing with revelation coming from your disciple, the Apostle Paul, to the Corinthians. Be with us in this moment of study of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, well, when I was, when I was um, planning some seminars for, for this camp meeting, I've been thinking that um, why don't we bring into, the, into this scenario something we were performing together with Pastor De Valle with 3ABM. But um, if, you, if, you, if you go that, there is a problem. We are doing that in Spanish. And, um, and it's called um, Biblical Answers in Spanish. And it's equivalent of um, house call. That is kind of, you know, people call, send questions, and we answer back. And we are maybe taping, what, um, twice a year, sometimes three times a year. But let me tell you that we don't have the time in every single program to deal with a lot of questions coming from the three Americas. Because uh, the program is reaching South America, Central America, and also USA here. And, uh, and, and, and it's, um, it's very, sometimes when you think that we pastors do not have problems, <laughs> let me tell you that we do have sometimes problems. And that, that sometimes we need some kind of reinforcement. Um, we do need some kind of reinforcements from time to time. And when Friday nights or, or Saturday nights, we, uh, we open the email because RB, thank you, RB um, and the Okay, and when, uh, thank you, and when, when uh, sometimes we are in need of some kind of input um, and people call and say uh, their opinion regarding that, um, it's a blessing to know um, that uh, we are reaching a lot of people. Um, recently, I've been sharing with, um, with Eric that um, because they connected um, the email with my email. And there was a person from California calling us, telling and inviting us to go there and open a charge because they say there is no uh, SDA charge here. And we like that you can teach and we are going to learn the word with you. So come here, start your charge because I want that my sons and my great sons be in the charge of this faith. And that was very, very touching. Sometimes you never know how you are reaching from uh, except of this kind of email. I am very thankful for Pastor De Valle. Pastor De Valle, let me introduce him briefly, is um, a doctoral student in the, in the last stages of the dissertation 
and he is going to finish probably this year his uh, PhD in theology. So what you are going to find is a person that is delighted in the word, is delighted in teaching the word. He has been a teacher and the head of the theological department in Puerto Rico when we uh, called him from, from here, from, from Michigan Conference. And he's the pastor of Roger Hayes. So um, there, is, um, there is another person coming from Roger Hayes that is the clerk of the church. By the way, um, our representative in the Lake Union in this moment. Um, by the way, from the same church and country, <laughs> Puerto Rican both. So tomorrow, tomorrow I'm going to, I don't know if you can get them. If you cannot get, get them, um, I'm going to provide tomorrow a, a copy of Methods of Study of the Bible Study. And uh, it's online, but we are going to bring that copy to you. But I'm going to share with you some introductory things regarding the presentation of the topic because probably you are thinking, why Corinthians? Uh, what is the rationale for a seminar on the epistle to the Corinthians? And uh, we are going to give you a background of the epistles um, because there are very interesting things uh, regarding the epistle the epistles to the Corinthians. And by the way, we are going to explain several things regarding that um, at some points together or with uh, Pastor De Valle. But uh, one of the things is first, the similarities with the contemporary culture in which we are. And uh, when, uh, you know, sometimes many of you members of uh, church board, how many of you are members in a church board. How many of you? Okay, everybody almost. So, well, um, we are dealing with problems in, in, in the culture and with the society nowadays. There was one church, by the way, one church in Michigan. I'm, going, I'm not going to disclose the, the idea of the church, but it's in a big city that after um, the the um, equal marriage in USA took place, the decision in 2015, that they took a decision. We are not going to do any marriage in this church until the GC or North American division decides what we are going to do regarding this. So it's similarities, of course, we are um, in problems in that kind of environment. And probably around maybe Wednesday, I don't know, uh, we are going to give you a, a hint of an interpretation regarding Corinthians because the apostle in the epistle to the Corinthians is dealing with that kind of situation. The other thing, cross-cultural church. Uh, let me tell you, the face of the church is going to change in the future. If you go to the big cities and you enter into a SDA church, you are going to see that we or the Anglo-Saxon uh, traditional Caucasian 
Our people is not quite represented. And I'm concerned for that. I, believe me, I'm not happy for that because I do have a precious memory and respect for the Anglo-American people that built this church in the past. And I am extremely sorry for how many Anglos are going behind. They are not in the new generation. But we need to build the faith in the church with whichever is in the church. So we are facing a new phase in the church and a mixed kind of identity, and this is coming. Other things. Um, sometimes when we are starting um, new congregations, new churches, and by the way, this is a piece of information. We already shared that with uh, Pastor Del Valle, and probably Nereida is uh, aware of that. Uh, we are buying a new church in, in the area of Grand Rapids. Um, a Christian Reformed Church is beginning to, to going down, you know, and, uh, and I've been in, in, with my eye into those buildings, and there was one congregation, it's about maybe 40, 50 years of old, the building, and they are, um, um, they put, before they put the church in the market, we come close to them, and, uh, and there was a service from one Christian Reformed member in connection with uh, SDA, Central Church, that gave the information. And we are going to um, buy the building in the following days. Uh, and it's, it's, a, it's a very beautiful church. If tomorrow you are going to be here, probably just for information, I'm going to show you some, some pictures. It's uh, in the main sanctuary. It's about 600 um, people seated, and uh, individual, <laughs> you know? Uh, not, not every church uh, do have that facility for uh, $285,000. Anyway, that's, that's crazy. I've been, I've been, telling, I've been telling somebody um, that is the rate of a good house in the area of Grand Rapids, in a good neighborhood, and um, and for and with 55 parking spots in the rear, 22 in the side, with a potential extension of another 22 parking spots, totaling totaling about 99, and um, and is 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 really is is a blessing. But let me tell you that Corinthians were dealing with divisions. And you know that sometimes we are dealing with divisions in the church. Um, the Apostle Paul probably dealing, working with the Corinthians. Corinthians or Corinth is a church that was established by the Apostle Paul. And, um, and even though even though an apostle founded that church, there was a kind of division in the church. And we are going to be dealing, we are going to explore what is the cause, what is the root of that kind of problems that sometimes affect the churches with a, um, 
a diversity of loyalties going into a kind of crush um, connections among the members in the church. And uh, of course, pastoral theological challenges. I, I remember to be in the defense of a dissertation several years ago in South America regarding the Baptist for the deed. And that was the dissertation, but the Apostle Paul mentioned, so we are going to be dealing with that. We are going to cover that. And by the way, the Mormons till today, they baptize for the dead. So what is the background of that? I don't know if, if in this uh, Pastor, Pastor Del Valle, very, very practical eye, uh, come to me and say, Daniel, do you think we are going to cover everything? I say, well, don't worry for that. Let's start. And if we need to finish, we are finished next year. <laughs> what else we can do? You, you know, and uh, um, also might be a model to help and assist in our pastoral endeavors. Because we are dealing with that kind of, of problems. What we are going to do with people um, coming into the church with different backgrounds. And when different backgrounds... Um, let me tell you, in 2017, IE is different from different backgrounds in 1960. Let me, let me share with you something. Um, we, are in the, we are working in the ministerial department, and I am um, working with multi-ethnics. But sometimes some of the pastors, with a certain friendship and familiarity, are coming close to us, send me an email and say, Pastor, what is your recommendation for this? I do have two ladies married in another state coming into the church. What we are going to do? Well, you understand that that is a problem. And that is a problem in this time, because if I will say this in 1960s, you will say, please, please. Um, and the vocabulary is changing. I, I am not familiar with your, your English from probably 20, 30 years ago, you know? But, but reflecting with somebody some years ago, um, by the way, uh, Linda Nelson, Lawrence Nelson's wife, uh, she told me that all the stories of the kids in the past finish with the teacher or the teller of the story telling the kids that everybody might be happy and gay. And she said, we cannot say that any longer. Yeah. <laughs> and that is a reality. So our linguistics, even in a safe place like the church, is changing. The times are changing. But there is something that is not changeable. And it's not changing. And it's the word. And it's the word. So, we need to go by the word, and we need to come back to the word. And by the way, I'm not very, very um, close with the idea of the um, 
gender-neutral linguistics in the Bible. I'm not in favor of that. Um, I don't know what is the thinking of Dr. or Pastor Del Valle, uh, but I'm not in favor of that because, uh, long story, but probably in a in few moments um, you are going to discover in the following days why. And, and finally, in teaching New Testament, um, I use as an example of distance learning. Um, are you familiar with distance learning? Okay, when I was in um, Central America, I was in a complex situation because the local union wanted that we were teaching some kind of degrees for the pastors covering the, the, that crucial map of, of the um, pastors and churches in different places in Central America. Central America is uh, that area that is um, from Panama uh, and the south border of Mexico, but with the islands, with the islands. So um, in those days, it was very difficult to do that. And I invented something connected with distance learning. And when I was looking for a motif, a biblical motif of distance learning, come into my mind the epistle of the Apostle Paul to the early churches. Because that is a distance learning process in which the Apostle was in a distant place, sent a letter, and the people from the churches were communicating with the locals about the will of God through an apostle. Is, isn't that this distance learning? Is, is that? So whatever you be in Canada, my friends here, in up north in Alaska, because in Birmingham I discovered a lot of people coming from Africa, from Siberia in Russia, and distance learning is something quite interesting. Um, and let me tell you something. This is a very good example of distance learning because that is the way to guide the church trying to get good information and, and reenact teaching with them. So what is our method that we are going to be dealing with? Well, tomorrow we are going to give the, the method of the Bible study. By the way, this is an official document of the church, of the church. And uh, I will recommend to you that you read this document. And you are going to need to read it in the future. Because how many of you are aware of the problems we are having in the church about interpretation? How many of you? Okay. Read this document when you have it. Let me tell you something. And this is a kind confession, and I'm going to shift my, my mic into, into um, Eric to start in a few moments. Um, I was with a Ministerio Dentista, that is a ministry magazine in Spanish, for about 10 years in South America. And when this document appears, it was in 1986, 1986. So no internet yet, no internet. So when GC wanted that 
those fields away from Washington, get something, they use a telefax or a machine in which somebody in Washington, D.C. was uh, um, extending the message, and the machine began to, to typewrite uh, in the local, you know, after following a certain code, and you get the message. So that was the time. And telegrams, and so far. So when, when this, this document became known after October um, 1986, it was in 1987, and was in April 1987, in the Ministry Magazine edition in English. But when I watched the cover of that magazine, I didn't get in South America that magazine. I never. So let me confess and, um, that I am very sorry to tell you that uh, not in my time this document became a touch base with Spanish. So a few years ago I translate and send that the, the translation into Spanish for BRI in order that they um, put it in the, in the website in Spanish language. Because uh, it's my conviction that if the church be aware of this, we were not in the trouble that we were. Let me <clears throat> give you a, a kind of, of um, index summary, some of the things that we are going to try to cover here. I don't know if I have it here, but these are some of the general picture of Corinthians. Um, our divisions in the church, and we, you are going to find out in, in chapter one and three. There are um, some kind of Christian behavior that requires uh, discipline. And probably tomorrow, we are going to be dealing with that. Because you church leaders, sometimes you need to, to fix the things in the church. And this is a very good example. By the way, when you go to the church manual, you are going to see the connection and the quotes of 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 5 regarding that. There are litigation, and I put the Latin word, litis, um, because this is a kind of Latin word inside the church. Marriage and divorce. We're coming after one seminar for our church regarding divorce and new marriage. And uh, meat sacrifice to idols, the role of woman, and the Lord's Supper's spiritual gifts, that is the big topic in chapter 12. And there are some, some things in the Corinthians that the Apostle Paul surprised everyone that is reading the Bible. And one is this chapter, 1 Corinthians 13. Likewise, um, um, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, because that is a blessing, really, both sections in the Corinthians. And uh, the Lord's Supper, the spiritual gifts, love, and the gift of tongues in 1 Corinthians 14, resurrection and baptism, and baptism for the dead and Sunday of servants in 1 Corinthians. So um, do me or do us a favor. Put us in a, in a kind of 
suggestion to us. What is your preference of these topics? Because maybe you don't need to come next year. <laughs> but if you in advance tell us, we, we would like to be willing or analyzing some of these topics, we are going to stop by after class and we are going to concentrate in those things. Do you agree with that? But just put them in that order and take the time that I'm going to shift. I concentrate in the background and in the general interest. I didn't concentrate in, in what? The background of the principles and the general issues. The you want to take the general issues? Yeah. Okay. We can work in the background. Back. My voice rests. <laughs> We're going to begin by working in backgrounds. You need to know what's, what happened in that time, in that specific church. You need to, know, to understand the ideology uh, that was behind everything, the sociology that was behind, and then we will have a better understanding what Paul is trying to tackle when he was confronting uh, the big issues in 1 Corinthians. First, let me tell you something general. Jesus lived and taught in Palestine. Very few of his followers have an advanced education. Most of them lived in village and small towns. Most of them were Hebrews. But we know that today that Jesus, what he says and what he did, uh, affect the whole wide world. And nobody in that time could expect to understand that. It was necessary for someone then to show what was for Hebrews living in Egypt, Greece, and Italy. It was necessary for a scholar to talk to educated persons about the gospel and confirm that the gospel is have a, a truth that is beyond philosophy and beyond the idolatry that they have in that time. No one uh, could do that better than who? Paul, the apostle. He had the mentality of the Hebrew. He had the mentality of the Romans. He had the mentality of the Greek. He understand the best writers, the best poets, the best theologians, and the best philosophers, and he know how to work out situation. Many of his opponents uh, have a wrong knowledge of what is knowledge, what is wisdom. So Paul, in this epistle, have to address the issue of knowledge in chapter 1 and in chapter 8 and explain knowledge from the perspective of a Christian heart. Knowledge and understanding with love. So we have in first, from, first, from chapter 1 to chapter 6, Paul is trying to let them understand how we have to love and treat each other. And from chapter 7 to the end, how believers have to deal with non-believers and with people that have a, a 
a philosophical background. Um, that is part of the things we have to understand. So the apostle began his letter to the Christian of Corinthians, and he had a difficult task. Paul had to answer the question which they have sent him. He had to build them up as a strong congregation, and he had to point out the ways in which they have gone wrong. But if he wrote too severely, then they might feel that he ceased to love them, and they don't take the epistle seriously. So for the first nine verses, he wrote about matters in which they have uh, uh, and they could agree. For example, he, in the first nine verses, he says that God had called both Paul and the Corinthians. He said also that Jesus was Paul's Lord and their Lord. The church is a new chosen people of God. And Jesus Christ is the Lord and the Son of God. That is very important. You will see later on. And that Jesus will come again. As a matter of fact, Paul had this idea that Jesus was coming soon. And that's why he was so pure in all the recommendations that he makes for the church. Today we see that it's like the second coming is near, but sometimes we feel it's, it's, it's not so close. And we try to melt cultural, psychological approaches with the gospel. But Paul didn't do that. He kept the gospel pure. So they were prepared to what is coming. Uh, He have oppositors in the church. Do I work with that? <clears throat> this church community have problems with the following things. They deny the resurrection. They believe in the baptism of behalf of the death. They believe that speaking in tongues was a sign of a spiritual superiority. And all their problem is that they are boasting all the time with this uh, mystic, esoteric wisdom that means that they are superior to the ones that don't agree with them. That's a big issue, okay? And they had issues with Jesus and the cross. And they have issues uh, with the woman in the church, for example, the obligation for women to remain silent in public worship and the need for women to wear a veil in public worship. Those are things that Paul has to address. And more in concrete, Paul has to deal with what is called, and you can write that, proto-gnosticism. It's an incipient Philosophy that is not religious, is more philosophical, and is called Gnosticism in general. Gnosticism is a religious movement of the early Christian centuries that reappeared in the New Age, the last century. The name Gnosticism derives from the Greek word Gnosis, meaning knowledge. 
And they want to be called Gnostics because that means that they have knowledge. But not necessarily knowledge that is real, that is true knowledge. And worse is a knowledge that makes them feel superior to the one that they don't accept in their group. For example, they'll use their own hermeneutics, and that's why I think later and tomorrow we are going to concentrate in the methods of hermeneutics. They quote Mark 4.11. Check it out. In Mark 4.11, the Bible read like this. To you it has been to know the mystery of the kingdom of God, but for those who are outside, all things come in parables. And we today know what Jesus means. He, he has a special uh, way to deal with the apostles and to create expectation and to explain things. But they want to say that there is a mysterious knowledge of the kingdom of God. There is a mystery, an esoteric knowledge that only the chooses one can have it. You see? So they claim that for them is the secret knowledge or mystery. And if you don't agree, it's just that you don't have it. Are you okay? <laughs> and so if we read Mark 4, 11 to 12, we realize that what Jesus is telling is that to them, to his apostle, he explained the parables. And we have the explanation on the Bible for us today. Okay? Theologically speaking, for them, you are not safe unless you have this knowledge. So you are not safe by grace for the Gnostics. You are safe by this esoteric knowledge. And this esoteric knowledge has an explanation that is another gospel. It's not the gospel of the Bible. And if you don't accept that explanation, then you don't have the divine spark of knowledge in your head. You need to be initiated. But when you accept this mysterious knowledge that they present you, then you are resurrected to this knowledge and reality. So they make the resurrection something spiritual, philosophical. They're very dangerous, okay? Let me talk about the Gnostic Savior, and then I pass to my professor. <laughs> Look what I'm going to say now. They change the interpretation of the scripture. They bring things that are philosophical. And they bring spiritualism and spiritism to the scripture. They're very dangerous. That's why New Age tried to do the same now. You see? They talk about gods, not only God. So that's why God, uh, Paul reaffirmed that there is only one God, you know, in three persons. And we're going to talk about that. Uh, Dr. Escarone wrote a book about that. The God, the God we worship, 
okay? And they say that Jesus was a normal person, but a neon that came from the pleroma in the topus uranus, all the explanation in Greek, from Plato, a, a spark that came from the totality that we call divine, okay? That they, that they say Christians call divine. Came, called Jesus, uh, called Christ, came and entered in Jesus. But in the cross, that divine spark, that eon, abandoned Jesus, and that's why Jesus said, Father, why you have for, uh, forgive me, okay? Do you imagine what that means? It changed the gospel. Totally. It changed doctrines. Once you change Christology, soteriology, salvation, it changed. So Paul cannot allow that. And even when the epistle is not a theological epistle, uh, epistle it has to address pastoral things. The theology was behind. So pastors have to be very cautious. He has to know how to tackle all those issues, knowing how the Gnostic think. And they think that what is important is the spirit, not the body. So whatever you do with the body is okay. That's why they have problem in, in marriage. You see? And they have other kinds of problems because they make a dichotomy from the body and, and the spirit that is not allowed in the Bible. Okay? And basic, that is the background for the pistol, the theological background, and then we come to work with the general issues and how to, <coughs> what methodology we're going to use to, to understand the pistol. Is there any question? Okay, easy. I know. Besides, uh <laughs> well, those are terms in Greek that I, I have it in my mind. <laughs> okay, thank you. Okay, let's um, let's uh, let me see what I was. Okay. Let's go to the, to the general facts um, and factors regarding the pistol. And by the way, this is information you are going to, to, to get from the Seventh-day Adventist Bible Dictionary. There is another one running on in this moment. But um, we are a little bit sort of concerned with certain tendencies in the first volume so I don't know what is going to be the direction of the new Bible dictionary. Um, but this is, this is the good one. So if you want to, to buy one, buy the older so far, until we might be able to review the new one. There are some things that call the attention. Okay, probably Corinth's name came from the grapes that were in the fertility 
surrounding the area. And then in a moment, I'm going to switch here to you to show you where Corinth was. This is the place. By the way, a few years ago, I was uh, teaching one seminar around here, and one of the members that uh, were attending the seminary, I asked, where are you from? Where are you coming? And she said, I'm coming from Thessaloniki. <laughs> Thessaloniki. I say, you mean Greece? Yes. Here. That, that is, that is, the, that is the, the place. And uh, by the way, she and the, and the husband were living for about three years over there. So this was the place in which the Apostle Paul was writing the epistle. And probably he was in this area, potentially from Ephesus. So from Ephesus, he sent the letter about something that was going on in the church. And you are going to find an expression that is quite neatly clear coming from the Apostle Paul. I hear, I hear several times, two, three times approximately. So this is telling you the Apostle Paul was not in the place. And he was listening, probably from Chloe or Chloe or, or several others telling about their concerns um, in, the, in the Corinth church. Corinthians was written by Paul from Ephesus. Um, this is what uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 8 says. And three years Paul labored at this city. Three years the Apostle Paul was there. And this is, this is Acts 20, 31 that says about that. So three years an apostle, uh, a pastor, knows the place. You, you, don't, don't you think so? I, I don't know if, uh, for, for me, two years was enough to know St. John's. St. John's was a little, a little, you know, Corinth was bigger than St. John's. And that was a, a kind of, I don't know what is the first reaction when you see this picture. This is a very, very cross-cultural condition in just the place, very cosmopolitan. There is a people coming from everywhere and doing business here. Because remember something, you can access Corinth from here and from here. And it was a very safe port in those days and very good connection from the um, former Europe to the Middle East and from North Africa, Middle East and the North. And that was the environment of the Corinthian city. And, uh, and the Apostle Paul was dealing with that. Sometimes uh, for me, for me, it's, I really appreciate that kind of environment. So the other thing is that was the mission center uh, uh, in the third mission trip of the Apostle Paul. So from Corinth, he was reaching several other places from Greece, Macedonia, the south, the islands, and the continent, as well as from the north, 
that what is today Istanbul or, or Turkey and the north of Europe. So he was going to Macedonia, but remained at Ephesus until Pentecost, mentioned here in 1 Corinthians. So this is going to tell you something. The Apostle Paul, being a Christian, already was keeping in mind what? The, the Hebrew calendar. And Pentecost, of course. So it's quite interesting when, when he deals with that because he made familiar those who were the recipients of his letter about his own habits. And it's, you know, it's, it's talking to friends that he knows because that is a kind of a spirit in the apostle. The, by the way, this... Corinthian eyes. Ah, I don't know. Um, sometimes when you need to translate, the other day I was in one office and somebody says, Daniel, could you come here and translate for us? You never know what is the content of the translation, you know. But there are some specific words that they are used and when you use that words and you put the words in the context of the other language, you need to, to follow certain process. You need to be faithful to the speaker. You need to be transparent to the receiver of the message. And you need to be faithful to the exact content that you are translating to. So, Corinth. Uh, here is a kind of sweet translation. It's a, yes, thank you. A noble one. Because today you are going to use something very strong in English. And I'm not going to, to go into that direction. Your imagination is going to put you in the right place for that. But, but that, is, that, is the level, that is the level that is going to tell you about what is the uh, lifestyle in the environment. And, and let me tell you something regarding this. And this is a very, very short reflection. When I was working with my, with my master's degree in South America, I was exploring something over which I've been working for some years, and I wrote a little book regarding Mormonism. And you know, what, when, I, when I was searching into Joseph Smith and the life of the Mormons and so on, I, I began to check the background, background, the social background of the Mormonism. And I discovered something. There was a lot of connections in between the social background in which Joseph Smith was, what is represented in the content of the writings in the Book of Mormon. So what I am trying to tell you here is that we are not islands in the social environment. We are kind of people receiving information and given information from the, the surroundings in which we are. 
And this is telling you that Corinth was real, a hot place to work, a very difficult place to work. It was a kind of permanent Rio de Janeiro in February. And I don't know what you know about that, but it's my neighbor country, and in in, in February, they started um, um, the carnival, and carnival is not telling the, the whole truth because it's a Latin background word that means flesh is alive. More or less, it's, it's a translation of that. Carnivale, that is the meaning of that. And that is the kind of environment in which the Apostle Paul was, um, was working. There was a worship to Aphrodite, was a local parent deity, and there was a temple nearby, and this, all this information, you can, you can get um, that. So um, uh, it, it is quite interesting. Uh, let me see here. Okay. Um, there is quite interesting to, to read Ellen G. White regarding, regarding um, this topic. Because Ellen G. White says something that, um, that when you see and you compare the missionary methodology, you are going to see a kind of shift in the way of approaching. You know? The Apostle Paul used to be before in Athens. And you can get that information in the book of Acts 17. And Acts 17 is the, the approach that is course, the sermon of the Apostle Paul to the Athenians and, um, and in the Areopagus. And it's quite interesting. But when he reached the Corinthians, change the styles. And this is what Ellen G. White says. During the first century of the Christian era, Corinth was one of the leading cities not only of Greece, but of the world, thronged its street, eagerly intent on business and pressure, a great commercial center situated within easy access of all parts of the Roman Empire. I, I don't know, when you read Ellen G. White, you remember what um, um, Stephen, Stephen Bohr says um, last Saturday? I, I've been over translation that, and he says, about the detail of Ellen G. White when she describes some things. And I don't know if she was entirely aware of the condition, but when you read that, check the geography conditions, she is really a blessing in the description and in nurturing the church with that. A great commercial center situated within easy access of all parts of Roman Empire. Uh, it was an important place in which to establish a memorial for God and his truth. And I like that. I like because, you know, sometimes you, you think in the corruption, and, and the corruption was probably one easy word to describe the condition of Corinth and the Corinthians, and the, and the context in which they were living. However, the, the Lord says to Apostle Paul that there were many people 
in that place. And the Apostle Paul was the kind of Enoch style of work in which he entered into the city, give the message backwards, go on, go to the city, give the message, and go out. And this kind of exercise, you are going to find out that he has been working and building a congregation in a very difficult environment. Um, well, I, I am celebrating here um, certain things, but one of the things mm, at the most is the spirit of the apostle. Um, uh, in the book of Acts 18, uh, 4.10 says, And he reasoned in the synagogues every Sabbath and persuaded the Jews and the Greeks. And then Silas and Timotheus were come from Macedonia. Paul uh, was pressed in the spirit and testified to the Jews that Jesus was Christ. And when they opposed themselves and blasphemed, he shook his raiment and say unto them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clear from henceforth, and I will go unto the Gentiles. And he departed thence, and entered into a certain man's house named Shustus, one that worshipped God, uh, whose house joined hard to the synagogue. And Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his house, and many of the Corinthians hearing believed and were baptized. So here you are going to see by the testimony of Luke that something happened a little bit different from Athenas. Because in Athenas just were a few. And please, I am not with the mind of evangelists here. I'm not counting. And I say, well, there were thousands here or there. I, I don't care about that. Because in that, in myself, my mind, a few sometimes are more than, you know, a very big amount of, of names and numbers. But here says very clearly, and many of the Corinthians believed and were baptized. And then spake the Lord to Paul in the night by vision. Be not afraid, but speak and hold not thy peace, for I am with thee and no man shall set on thee to hurt thee, for I have much people in this city. Sometimes when we are surveying a city, what we see? Buildings, you know, skyscraper, and, uh, you know, the fashion, and so on. But the Lord is watching the hearts. And he knew and told the Apostle Paul that there were many people in that place. And the mission is, is about that. It's in to read the world with the Lord's eyes to discover our brothers and sisters that probably in the future are going to be here in one seminar worshiping together with us. And the Lord knows about that. But we are just the messenger. We need to go into that direction. And that is a very honest remembrance and honor of the Apostle Paul, you know, in following the orders about that. He didn't mention to the Corinthians, this, is, you are not going to get that in the Corinthians. 
But sometimes are you going to see that the Apostle Paul mentioned that the Lord showed something to him. And that is a glance of, of that idea. So Paul founded this church and uh, was sometime in the city, visit the synagogue. And this is quite interesting because that was for the Apostle Paul something important, the synagogue. Certain churches were established upon the synagogue or from the synagogue. And that was the point of contact because the Apostle Paul were speaking very good Jewish language, Aramaic probably, and they were learning from the Apostle Paul and became Christians, and they were very solid Christians in, upon which Old Testament were a kind of highway into the New Testament. Because that way you are going to explain and understand the connection in between what we call the Bible and left an organized church. Because that was the work, an organized church. And that is important. Uh, probably he worked with the local authorities, with some of the leaders, training them and prepared them to be in the leadership and, um, and when Paul left, something that sometimes are affecting our churches appear. Problems. Problems. What were the problems? I don't know if we are going to cover this. But uh, the Apostle Paul, by the way, um, changed methods. This, uh, this is what Ellen G. White says. And one of the problems was based um, um, in the mix of sexual and moral behavior of uh, some new members. And here comes something. I don't know if you have something there, but um, um, the Apostle Paul, go to your Bible, and, and it's, it's convenient that you probably uh, read about that. I wrote to you in my letter not to associate with sexual immoral people. Look, when you go to the letter and you say, well, this is 1 Corinthians 5, I'm going to check in the backward of that, and there is nothing about that. Probably there was another letter, a missing letter. But let me tell you something. Please, I'm not bringing high criticism here upon this. I guess that we have enough information for salvation in the Bible as it is. Okay? Please. Um, but probably the corpus that uh, the Apostle Paul was building and sending back and forth to the Corinthians was not only one or two letters. Probably it's about four letters. It's very clear that. Um, we don't have all the letters of the Apostle Paul in the New Testament. He wrote a lot. And he was very dynamic and very good with uh, speech and very good with changing, you know, and, and adapting himself to several environments. But, of course, this letter, we don't have that kind of, of reference about this. So probably this is a former letter that he so this first Corinthians that we have, maybe if we have the entire corpus, can be the second 
Corinthians. And um, it is a previous letter from, from this. And this we already present, and we are going to give you uh, an introduction of the topics we are going to present. Let's go to 1 Corinthians now, and we are going to give you a hint of the uh, one of the problems. I don't know if we are going to dig in uh, deeply enough, uh, but if not, we are going to finish uh, tomorrow. Open your Bibles, and we are going to be dealing with 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 11 through 16. The Apostle Paul says, My brothers and sisters, some, watch this, some from Chloe's household have informed me. Different versions sometimes, adaptive language is here, but the Apostle Paul is writing uh, to them that a person of influence undeniable influence in the local community gave information about the condition of the church. And, um, and this condition is based upon send this letter to them. That there are quarrels, six meta. That is the word for schisms in the church, divisions. And uh, 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 quarrels you. What I mean is this. One of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Apollos. Another, I follow Cephas. Still another, I follow Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Were you baptized in the name of Paul? Thank God I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius. So no one can say that you were baptized in my name. Yes, I also baptized the household of Stephanas. Didn't mention the, the, the amount of people. But household means a lot of family together into that. And uh, beyond that, I don't remember if I baptized anyone else. So here is something that is affecting the church. Um, don't you read something very similar sometimes in these days? Oh, I would like to have... Dark Bachelor here, Dwight Nelson here, our names, we build names, and we are followers of names, and we are divided for that. But the Apostle Paul, you know, sometimes when you finish a sermon in the church, uh, people come to you and say, oh, Pastor De Valle, good to see you here. I am a follower of you. <laughs> and you are because what is your expectation? I, we, don't, we don't expect followers of us. We want in the church followers of the Lord Jesus. Stop. Stop. We are just messengers. Oh, everyone. And that even Paul. There are sometimes names in which in my mind I do remember. And I miss in the church. Good theologian that we don't have here. But let me tell you that uh, even though that is a truth, and I'm transparent with you and with some of you here, uh, the reality is that we are not idolatrizing persons. Because that is the essence of the problem. 
In 1 Corinthians, um, this same uh, thing, this is the paraphrasis of Philip's. Now I do beg you, my brothers, by all that Christ means to you, to speak with one voice, not allow yourself to be split up into parties. Altogether, you should be achieving a unity in thought and judgment, for I know from what some of Chloe's people have told me that you are each making different claims. I am one of Paul's men. I am one of Apollos. Very clear, by the way, Phillips. You, you know who is this gentleman, you know? He used to be a um, British gentleman, and they asked him a Bible for the youth around the 50s, British background, and very good English, very good uh, understanding of the language. And, and he is very clear in the message. Sometimes in South America, he used Phillips to clarify certain things um, in, because for clarification is, is, is good. It's not a translation. It's a, it's a paraphrasis. That is um, a kind of um, explanation built upon the meaning of the words. But... Um, it's very clear uh, about this. And, and this, I am one of Cephas. What is telling you about this? What, what is this? The Apostle Paul says, you are not spiritual. Use, use this word, carnal. In vain, strife, division. And altogether says carnal. And this is the tension here in the text. Those who are spiritual, pneumaticoi, that is the word that he used, versus those who are sarkikoi, that is flesh. You know, that is the topic that um, Pastor De Valle touched up when, when he explained about a kind of dichotomic situation in the persons. Because in that kind of environment, they were splitting the, the person into two levels. Those who were spiritual are with God. Those who are carnal are not. The point is more rude than that. Uh, Paul, Apollos, and the Lord, they were divinizing and making up a kind of Christian pantheon among them. So what they were doing, the Corinthians here, it's like they were with a pantheon, with the pagans. They were making a pantheon of the Christian leaders themselves. So they were in the conceptual framework of the my gods. Are you familiar with that? The my gods is half God, not God at all, not human at all, over the level of the human beings. So they were divinizing and making up a Christian pound. They were fulfilling functions, the apostle says. They are not God, only the Lord. But they were performing a diaconoi, diaconia. What is that? A service. That is the meaning. They were servant leaders. And, and, and servant leaders... Is what every one of you are in, in your churches. What are you? Servant leaders. You are followers of the Lord 
and, and rendering a service of love into your churches. So, so I'm going to, to fight with some of you because you are planting and because the other is watering and the other is looking for increase. No, everybody is working together for the glory of the Lord. And that is the explanation you are going to find here. A diaconoi or minister is one who executes a commission, a deputy minister, a servant officer with a function inside the church. Whatever the function, they were not object of worship or loyalty. And that feeling created a divisive spirit. When you see that kind of spirit in the church, the church is going to enter into troubles. Because immediately they are going to align themselves into this faction, into this other, and following into the others. And that is the church at risk. The Apostle Paul says, what are we? We are just diaconoi, servant leaders. We're serving the Lord, and we are fulfilling our own functions. Please, get united. There is no, we are not for division. Can you, can you add up something? And probably do the final prayer too. <laughs> One of the big gifts of Escarone is to teach. You realize that. So my job here is to go around that. <laughs> because when he presents something is clearly presented we see four four separate groups that Paul wrote Paul, Apollos, Peter, Cephas and Christ you see but in the mentality of Paul Paul is an apologetics he's going to defend the gospel there are in reality two groups the apostles and the Christ party you see which is the Gnostics, that they say they follow their own version or definition of Christ, okay? And they, they, they are calling the pistol, this Christ party, the Gnostics, are calling the pistol the super apostles. And they want to present themselves as masters. So Paul immediately tackled that. And he said, no, we are deacons. We are servants. Uh, Pastor Escarone said very well, servant leaders. And that's the only kind of leadership that Christ presents to us, true or false. So he tackled the, 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 the boasting, he tackled the, the criteria that they are masters. And he put together the apostle, you know, and said, well, the apostle, we work together. We, one do one thing, the other do another ministry, and we unite and complement and also he tackled them because they want to, to say that they are the spiritual ones because they have this spiritual knowledge. So uh, what Paul is telling, no, 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 your behavior, behavior is carnal, is political. You are nothing spiritual. If you were spiritual, you will be uh, servant leaders and you will look for the unity of the church. So it's very interesting how the epistle began, okay? Because Paul already know 
with whom he is leading. And that spirit is the spirit of the devil. So he's presenting the spirit of Christ. Okay? And um, I think that in this stage of Tomorrow we are going to be dealing with, we are going to wrap up uh, a little bit the topic of today. And tomorrow we are going to be dealing with, uh, with the next big issue. And probably what we are going to do is a brief summary of the presentation of today. And tomorrow we are going to be dealing with uh, um, discipline that is uh, probably is going to take us the whole uh, chapter because we are going to connect it with chapter six, five and six, okay. and and um, and probably is uh, going to give a little of uh, a little bit of documentation of support. So let's uh, have a word of prayer, and we are going to to finish for the day. Father in heaven, thank you for the apostle Paul, and for the mission of the apostle Paul, and for the teachings that are coming as a distance learning process unto us in the end of the times. With of, be with one of the leaders, church leaders here. Bless them. We need them, Father, because they are uh, servant leaders for you, working in church board, um, putting order, and trying to give the message where they are to the local communities. So, Father, we pray for them today. And be with us as we continue in this blessed camp meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.